Welcome to the South Plains Church of Christ podcast. To stay up to date on what's going on and how you can be involved, visit southplains.org. I pray that this message reveals God's truth and love to you today. Let's dive in. If you've been here for a while, you know that we've been uh, working our way through the Gospel of Luke since last December, actually. Next Sunday in October, we're going to move into uh, further into the the Gospel of Luke, where Jesus actually comes finally, the last time, into Jerusalem. <clears throat> Carter Schumann will kick that series off, considering the identity of the Savior. Today we close this series we've called Jesus, Lord of Our Personality, by looking at the second case study of transformation in the text. The, the first one we looked at last Sunday Uh, which considered a wealthy young leader who was a very good moral person, uh, no doubt who'd grown up uh, learning and hearing God's Word and being a very good person, and yet found himself unable to accept the the lordship of Jesus. And it ended in a sad conclusion. Today we consider another wealthy man, a man coming from a particularly different uh, background, a man who was despised, actually, uh, who was no doubt miserable as we consider him uh, with his own life. In Luke chapter 19, excitement was in the air. Jesus was at the height of his popularity. Everywhere he went now, he was followed by a crowd. It was getting harder and harder to get close to him. And on this particular day, this little short guy climbs up in a tree to see Jesus as he passes by. We all know this story. We recall the song, Zach, <laughs> jump off. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in the sycamore tree, Savior for to see. And as the Savior passed away, looked up in the tree, and he said, Zacchaeus, you come down. I wasn't going to your house today, for I'm going to your house today. Yeah. Now, you may know a different version of that, as we talked about earlier. There are versions depending on where you were when you grew up learning this song. But they all say the same thing. Interestingly, Luke is the only gospel that records this story. And it is a remarkable story. Zacchaeus was not a popular person. Beginning in verse 1, Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus, and he was the chief tax collector in the region and had become very rich, very wealthy. I don't know if that tax collecting has ever had a good um, reputation or a good feeling, but it was a horrible institution in the first century. Rome searched out insiders, local people, who would know exactly how much you had, what kind of possessions you had. And so when Rome would assess the tax uh, to be collected from each province, anything the collectors could get beyond that, over that, on top of that, 
simply was theirs to keep. So many collectors obviously overcharged their fellow Jews in order to enrich themselves. And on top of that, they were willing to take bribes. And if anybody tried to protest, well, the Jewish tax collector had the strength of the Roman army behind them. The Jews hated the Romans for dominating them, oppressing them, and collecting these taxes. But they hated the Jewish tax collectors even more, their own countrymen, who they looked upon as traitors and cheats, who got rich at the expense of their own people. And if you notice, it says that he was not just a tax collector, he was the chief tax collector. He was the architect of this thing. He was, he was sitting on the pinnacle of the pyramid because it was a pyramid scheme because all the other tax collectors would pay him from the taxes they collected. And so he was taking, uh, uh, skimming off the top of all of this. He was in a particularly despised position. Zacchaeus which makes it even more weird as I, as I consider the, the name Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus means <laughs> pure, innocent. I will change your name, we just sang. And so I've pondered all week long. Was that his name? Did Jesus change his name to Zacchaeus? Or did his mother name him? Zacchaeus, and was his name always a dart in his heart when he heard it? I don't know. He became a tax collector, no doubt, because, well, because he wanted money and the power that went along with it. And he was a great success at that. He was very self-centered and didn't care what others said. No doubt he buried his guilt his loneliness, his feelings of outcastness, deep down inside. But when he got what he, want, what he wanted, he realized he wasn't happy. He was miserable. Anybody who, regardless how tall you may be, you're a small person if you're consumed with yourself. And it seems Zacchaeus had finally had enough of himself that he wanted to change. And he heard about Jesus and he wondered if this could be the Messiah. If this could be the coming king. And so he wanted to get close to Jesus. In verse 3, he tried to get a look at Jesus. He sought to, to, to know, have a better understanding of Jesus. But he was too short. He wasn't able to see over the crowd. You know, people who don't want to change don't want to get close to Jesus. In fact, people who don't want to change don't want to go to church. And they don't want to hear or talk about spiritual things or spiritual values. They want to stay as far away as they possibly can because it, uh, they're just comfortable in their comfort zone. Have you ever heard in the contest rules, must be present to win? You ever hear that? That's when you, okay, that's when you tear your reform up. You must be present to win. You can't just fill out the card and wait and hear it later. You must be present to win. I think the same thing is true with the body of Christ. You must be present 
to be blessed. We're so glad those who join us online. But if you're not here, the blessing is often missed. There are things that take place when we worship together. There is spiritual growth that comes when we participate in a Bible study or in a small group, which is why we encourage you to be a part of those, because you are putting yourself in a setting where you can get closer to God. Why does Zacchaeus want to get closer to Jesus? Well, maybe because... I don't know. Think about it. Maybe he'd been part of the party Matthew had thrown. You remember Matthew. He was one of the Lord's apostles. And he was a tax collector when Jesus called him. Matthew invited all the disciples over along with his worldly friends, his tax collector buddies. And maybe it was there. I don't know. Maybe there that Zacchaeus first heard Jesus speak and teach. Luke wrote that Zacchaeus wanted to get to know who Jesus was. I think we're surrounded by people who are curious about who Jesus really is. Otherwise, why would they continue to make documentaries and things about that? And there is somebody, I believe there's somebody you know that I know who will respond to an invitation from you. Come near to God, James wrote, and he will come near to you. You see, Zacchaeus thought he was seeking out Jesus, but here's the truth of the story. Jesus was seeking out Zacchaeus. And he overcame these physical barriers. Look at verse 3 again. It says he was short. He could have tried, he could have said, you know, I tried to see Jesus, but I'm just too short. I couldn't, so I'm just going to go home. But he didn't do that. He found a way. That's where the sycamore tree comes in. That's where. Which is, by the way, a very has usually a lower, wide trunk, and, and the limbs tend to far more le, uh, level out, and so he was able to climb it easily. He found a way, and we have people here this morning who have physical limitations, and and I would say are some of the bravest people I know. Some can't hear very well. I said some can't hear very well. Some can't see very well. Some of you come in wheelchairs, others with walkers. Some are parents that are single, and it's particularly a chore to get everybody ready and get here. And yet they make the effort to be here. They find a way. That is what the way that Zacchaeus was. He didn't quit. He said, I'm going to do everything I can to get a closer look at this Jesus, who he is. So he didn't let the crowd stop him. Verse 4, he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. It wasn't just his size, however. Well, it's because he was a wee little man. Well, it wasn't just his size. Everybody in the crowd knew who he was. He was a tax collector chief tax collector, and that crowd had no desire for him to be a part of what they were doing. They weren't going to make room for this traitor. You know, in, in, the, in the Jewish book of law, the Talmud, it says that Jews are permitted to lie to a murderer, a thief, or a tax collector. Now listen, if they're permitted to lie to him, they're also permitted not to make room for him trying to get to see Jesus. 
but he persisted. Verse 5, when Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him, called him, hey you, no, by name, Zacchaeus, quick, come down. I must be your guest. I must dwell in. I must remain in your home today. Jesus knew his name. And he knows your name. People say that's the sweetest sound of the year to hear somebody call your name out in public. Can you imagine how Zacchaeus felt when he called him by name? Was it Zacchaeus? Was it pure, innocent? Jesus not only knows your name, he also knows everything else about you. Matthew's the one who records that even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. And Isaiah records God saying, I will not forget you. You see, I've engraved you on the palms of my hands. The preacher may forget your name. He will. But Jesus won't. Jesus wanted to stay at Zacchaeus' house. People were shocked by this. I mean, this was a greedy, selfish man. Does Jesus know what he's doing? Does Jesus really know who this is? And Zacchaeus could have said, oh, no, not my house. I'm not worthy for you to come under my... Or he could have said, you know what, Jesus? I'm pretty comfortable with my life right now. I'm just, I mean, I wanted to see you. I, I wanted to get close, but I don't want to get that close, you know. But this selfish little man says, yes. Yes, I want you to come to my house. Most of us wouldn't characterize ourselves as being selfish, and yet the truth is we're probably more selfish than we like to admit, right? I mean, at the table, when there's a nice, when there's a nice piece and a not-so-nice piece of chicken, like the neck bone, left, or there's... there's there's a big slice of pizza and a really thin slice of pizza left, or pie. <laughs> Which do you take? When there's a nice vehicle to ride in and a not-so-nice vehicle to ride in, which do you ride in? When you get a bonus at work, who do you think of spending it on? Yourself and your family or others? The whole concept of sin, it seems, can be boiled down to selfishness. We sin when we stubbornly choose to do what we want rather than what God wants. Are we selfish? Of course we are. Can we be changed? Can we be different at the very core of our spirit where we make our decisions? Can the emotions of our heart change? The story of Zacchaeus says yes. Yes. Jesus can change us. Well, in verse 6, you see Jesus coming to his house. Zacchaeus quickly comes, comes down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. He, this is the same thing Jesus taught. He was filled with joy about Jesus coming to his house. At this point, a wealthy person might have thought, I guess Jesus needs me. He needs a house to to relax in. He needs a place to, to get a bite and just kind of kind of you know zone out for a while. Isn't Jesus lucky that I invited him here? 
But that's not what Zacchaeus was thinking. No doubt Zacchaeus knew why Jesus was coming. The same way he would come later, and that was to clean house. Apparently Zacchaeus is so sick and tired of his old sinful selfish ways, he's ready for Jesus to make changes, and he welcomes him gladly into his house. What about us? Would we have a hard time with that? We invite Jesus in the front door as long as he just stands there, but a lot of things right in the house. We don't want Jesus touching. No, 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 Jesus. We don't want you to look through that. No, you you wouldn't be interested in those kinds of things. No, don't open up that cabinet. No, no, put the remote down. I'm not ready for you to look through that financial stuff. Just, you know, just stand at the front door. But Zacchaeus didn't care what Jesus saw. I'm glad you're here, Jesus. Show me what needs to be done. But all the people were grumbling. They were not pleased. Verse 7. He's gone to be the guest of a, notor- a notorious sinner. And they all grumbled. It doesn't say gr- all there. It should. The word is there. They all grumbled. This is the only place in the Gospels that says they all muttered. In other places, the Pharisees and religious leaders would grumble. Uh, in another place, the disciples would mutter. But this time, everybody's griping both his enemies and his friends. Think about it. How can Jesus be going to his house? Everybody hates a cheat. Somebody who's getting an unfair advantage by taking advantage of others. How can Jesus like this guy enough to go eat with him and spend time with him? Doesn't he know what this guy's like? He's depraved. He's detestable. He's certainly off the path of godliness. Sounds a lot like chapter 15 when the elder brother was talking about the prodigal son, doesn't it? He's wasted everything you gave him. But after Jesus has been with him and eaten with him and talked with Zacchaeus, you see the transformation in verse 8. Meanwhile, After he's been with him and eaten with him and talked with him, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will here and now give half my wealth, what I possess, to the poor. He committed half of his possessions, but that doesn't mean it was half-hearted commitment. It took a strong commitment to give away half of the things he'd worked, he'd schemed, connived, bring together, to to give it to the poverty-stricken, to the penniless, to the needy. Can you imagine doing that? I mean, leaving here and going home and sitting down and adding up your savings and the equity in your house and the value of your cars and your clothes and taking your retirement account and, and your investments and adding it all up and then writing a check for half of all that. To the Texas Girls and Boys Ranch or the Children's Home or Open Door, some, some, some group that are helping the needy. That's what Zacchaeus did. It was him saying, I'm not going to live for myself anymore. In the second part of verse 8, it says, And if I have cheated people, I'm sure somebody said, If, <laughs> and if I have cheated people, defrauded them, extorted them 
on their taxes, I will give them back. I will repay, refund four times as much. Now, this wasn't a guy ignorant of the Jewish law. He, he was familiar with the law of Moses. So what does it say about restitution in the law of Moses? That if a person had taken anything that didn't belong to him and he voluntarily comes forward, what is it that the Lord requires? Numbers chapter 5, verse 7. He must confess the sin he's committed. He must make full restitution for his wrong. Add one-fifth to it and give it all back to the person that he had wronged. Zacchaeus was obligated to add 20% of what he had exhorted and give it back. But he goes way beyond that. He says he'll pay four times as much, which is not 40%, it's 400%. Four hundred percent, four times as much, the the amount he had illegally taken. I bet people's mouths just—you know—that commercial where the dog shows up with the ball in his mouth and it just falls out. I think that's the way people. What? What? Did I hear him right? Yes, you did. This is transformation. Zacchaeus showing that he's a changed man. You know, in, in your marriage, it may be hard to admit that you're wrong, to say you're sorry. But it's harder to change. It's easy to apologize to the kids for not being at home enough to really be with them. It's harder to alter your schedule and be home with them. Restoration proves that we really do want to change from our past. And Zacchaeus makes restitution times four. He had completely opened himself up and given himself over to God. He was totally different from this point on in his life. He saw people differently. It had changed the way he saw things, and he stopped cheating people. Instead, he became generous to those in need. It culminates in verse 9 when Jesus responds, Salvation has come to this home today. Salvation. It's We too easily run right over the word salvation. What does that mean? That's that religious thing. That's, it's deliverance. It's, it's rescue. It's survival. It's, it's life. Life has come. A right relationship with God was the most basic change that he brought by forgiveness Life has come to this home today, for this man has shown himself to be a striking evidence of what Jesus has done, shown himself to be a true son of Abraham, a son of faith, of confidence in God, of trusting God, instead of all the stuff he collected.
For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. Those, like Zacchaeus, those excluded groups. Those who had lost their way. Those who had been consumed by other things. Those who had been taken over by, by another God. Sinners who are released from their sin. Being transformed by Jesus is not some single event. It is a commitment of your entire future. Folks, listen to me. Baptism is not the finish line where we celebrate. Now we quit thinking about it. It's the starting block where we submit ourselves. We begin submitting ourselves to the Lord Jesus Christ. To his lordship of all of our life, declaring him as Lord of our whole being. And since he has forgiven us, we're new people. Zacchaeus doesn't say, okay, thank you, Jesus, we're all square now, right? No. No, where dishonesty had absolutely destroyed relationships, Zacchaeus begins to mend them. He says, I'm a different person. I'm a changed man. I didn't just do one thing. I didn't just uh, have a faith event. I've had a faithfulness fill my life. And he put his whole life into the hands of his Savior. He repented of his greed And he was now following the example of Jesus himself in living for others. Church, we say it plainly. We want to be a church for others. The group that Jesus is looking for, who are often excluded, We want to be a church for them. Paul would write to the Corinthian church and say, If anyone is in Christ, if anyone belongs to Christ, he is a new creation, a new person. The old is gone, the new has come. New life has begun. And this person who once was a little man has suddenly become a giant And Jesus can do that in your life as well. It may seem shocking to see Zacchaeus give away half of all he has, but it shouldn't be shocking when you look at the one he's following, one who left heaven for earth, who gave up his life as we celebrated in communion because he loves us. Aren't you glad? That he came to rescue us, loving us, seeking us. You also can come just as you are, a selfish sinner. But like Zacchaeus, you should come expecting to be changed. It's good news. Good news we invite you to this morning. Two of our Shepherds, Randy and and Brian, will be down front. Charlie Parrish is up on the balcony. Ken Rainwater will be in the prayer room off the south foyer. If we can help you understand or if we can help you take a next step or if we can pray for you, we would love 
to do that. For Jesus has come for you. Let's stand as we lift his name on high together. Thanks for listening. Again, I want to encourage you to visit southplains.org where you can find all sorts of information, including how to contact us and how to request prayer. Thank you for joining us.